Well, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Psalm 84 this morning, Psalm 84, or you can follow along uh, in the Version Bible app. And uh, while you're turning to Psalm 84, many of us have what we call a bucket list. And you know what a bucket list is. It's these things that you would like to do in your life before, you know, kick the bucket. And so we call it the bucket list. These are all these things that, that we want to, to do, we want to accomplish, uh, places we want to go, things we want to see. And there's something that when you kick something off of that list, when you complete something on that list, you, you, mem- or you keep the memories of it, right? Like you, you think about it, you, it's something you're always going to remember because not just anything goes on to the bucket list, right? Like it's something important, something special, something that uh, you just really, really want to see, experience, uh, just anything like that. And you know, I've, it's been great over the last several years. I've got to, to take some of the things off the bucket list. I got to go to Wrigley Field and, and even though I don't like the Cubs at all, uh, go Cardinals, um, going to Wrigley Field was quite the experience. It was the friendly confines. It's uh, one of the greatest stadiums ever built. It is just a, a great experience. But there's one thing that I've marked off my bucket list that I will never forget. And I remember coming home one night after work, and uh, it was right before my birthday, and uh, Kay loves to give gifts, but she doesn't like to wait until the, the day that you're supposed to get. She's, so she's always like early gift giver. And uh, I remember coming home, and she goes, I just can't wait. I'm so excited to, to share this gift with you. We're going to go see Paul McCartney. And I'm a Beatles fan. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Uh, I've always, as long as I've, I've loved the Beatles, they're my favorite band of all time. Paul McCartney is my favorite of all the Beatles. And so I wanted to go see Paul McCartney for the longest time. And she goes, now here's the bad news. It's going to be all the way up at the top of the stadium. It's standing room only, no seats. And so you're most likely going to have to watch it off the, the video screen. I didn't care. I didn't care. It's the first time Sir Paul had been in St. Louis since he was a member of the Beatles. He was going to be there, and I was going to be there in the presence of Sir Paul McCartney. And I still remember that concert. I remember he came out and he started with Hard Day's Night and one of the greatest Beatles songs of all time. And then he sang some of his own songs like Band on the Run and it was a great thing. And then he even sang In Spite of All the Danger. And that is such a great song. And the the story, you know, that was a song they did before they were even the Beatles. That's right, they weren't always the Beatles. At one point they were the Quarrymen. And this was one of the songs they did as the Quarrymen. It was a great experience. And I imagine you probably have stories you can share of, man, I remember this one time I got to to go and see this athlete, or I got to go and see uh, this musician, or I got to go and and see whatever, whoever. And you you think about that, and you, you cherish the memory of that. Here's the thing, as great as it was to see Paul McCartney on the video screen while he was down on the field, as great as that that night was, 
it doesn't even compare to the, to the desire that I have to being in the presence of God. To be near God, to long for God, to want to be in the midst of God. There's nothing greater, better is one day in the presence of God. And we've been going through the book of Psalms, going through these different Psalms, and we've called this series Being Honest with God. And we've talked about things like confession and, and asking God for help and, and praising Him and, and celebrating who He is and what He's done. We've talked about uh, you know, praising God when it feels like everything else around you is, is benefiting the people who don't believe. We, we talked about that last week. What do we do when it seems like the world is prospering and yet here we are, we're suffering, we're struggling. And that realization that to be with God is better than what the world offers because yes, the world may prosper now, but their destiny is destruction and it's coming for them. And we've talked about all these different ways that we're to be honest with God and Psalm 84 is a great reminder it's one of those great reminder psalms that, that makes us ask the question, what's really important to us? What really matters to us? When it comes down to it, whom do we desire? What do we desire? And in Psalm 84, we see the psalmist talk about what it is he really longs for, what it is he really desires above all things, to be in the presence of God. And so that's where we're going to be this morning in Psalm 84. And we're going to start in the first couple of verses. And this is what it says in Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You see, the psalm, it's all about a desire to be in the sanctuary in Jerusalem. That's what they're looking for. To, he's looking for to be in the temple, to be in the courts of God, to dwell in the sanctuary in the temple that is in Jerusalem. But it carries an even bigger meaning than that. And he starts by singing about how lovely the courts of the Lord are, how beautiful the courts of the Lord, the dwelling place of the Lord. There's nothing like it. It's lovely, it's beautiful, it's majestic. There's nothing better than the courts of the Lord. But then he says, My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You see, here's the thing, as beautiful as the court of God is, as beautiful as the temple is, as beautiful as the sanctuary is, these things are only beautiful because who lives there, who dwells there, and that is God. And so he longs for, he desires to be in the sanctuary in Jerusalem, not because of just how majestic and how beautiful it is, but because he knows who is there. God is there. And so I cry out and I, I long to be where the living God is. And in verses 3 and 4, he makes the comments, Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I think I have a picture of the temple up here. Uh, Yes, yeah, so the temple in Jerusalem, it was open, and so it would be possible for birds to come in and, and make their nest. And we see that the psalmist here, he is envious 
of those who get to live in the vicinity of the temple, and, and that includes the birds. He's thinking, man, how lucky are the birds? The birds get to be near the altar. A sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself near the altar of God. They get to be in the presence of God. And then he goes on to say, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Those who get to be in the temple courts each and every day, those who minister there, those who work around there, who serve there, they get to be near the presence of God each and every day. They get to praise him each and every day. And this psalmist, he's crying out, That's my desire. That's where I want to be. I want to be near the presence of God. I want to be in the courts. I want to be in the sanctuary. I want to be where God is. That's my desire. He longs for God. He longs to be near God. He longs to be in the presence of God. And so I would ask the question to you this morning, do we long for God? Do we long for God? Do we thirst to be in the presence of God? Do we desire to be near God? Where do we put our thoughts, our hearts? Is it towards Him? Is it towards our living God? Or do we put our thoughts, our hearts, our minds into other places? No, you see, we should desire more than anything else. We should desire to be in the presence of God, to be where He is, to long to be near Him each and every single day. I think we should kind of have the same attitude as the writer in Psalm 42, too, when he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? He wants to be near God. His soul thirsts for Him. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. How often do we thirst for a glass of water, right? When you're mowing the yard or you're doing yard work or, or you're doing something and you get thirsty and all you desire is that, that sip of water, that, that thing that can quench your thirst, do we have that same longing, that same thirst for God? Or do we put that in other places? He continues on in verses 5 through 9. He says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appear before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with your favor on your anointed one. So he starts here in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage, it's this idea of a journey. It's a journey that they're taking. And they're, it, oftentimes when we think of a pilgrimage, it's often a, a visit to a shrine or a holy place. And so for them, they're making this pilgrimage, this journey to the temple. That's where they're heading. And it says, so blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They desire to go to the temple, and so that is where they're going. And so he prays, blessed are those whose strength is in you. This is going to be a hard journey. This is going to be a hard travel uh, to make, a, a hard trip to make. And so they need strength as they make this journey. And we see as they pass through the valley of Baca, and they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with their pools. This is really interesting. Is this a real place? Is it not a real place? There have been different commentators who speculated that what is the valley of Baca? 
Well, the root or the Hebrew word here, baka, it's related to the root word baka. Baka, and the word baka, it means to weep. And so baka refers to a type of tree, and it's referred to as a tree that is a weeping tree. That means it drips risen or gum-like tears, often thought of as basalm trees, mulberry trees, aspen trees. Matter of fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 23, this word became is translated as basalm trees. It's a word that's related to baka. And so they're going through this valley of weeping. Some translations call it that. Baca is the valley of weeping. What's such significance there as they're trying to make it to the temple, as they're making it to the presence of God, they're going to go through hard times. They're going to go through a place, a valley of weeping. I say this could be an actual place in the valley of Rephaim. And it would be said to be a dry and arid region because these types of trees, these weeping trees, would have to grow in a dry and arid place. And so here they are. They're going through a difficult time. They're going to go on this pilgrimage, and on this pilgrimage there's going to be difficulties. It's going to be a valley of weeping. It's going to be hot. It's going to be dry. It's going to be tough. But we see they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. Their faith makes it a place of springs. It's as if no matter what the situation and the environment, no matter whether it's well watered or not, their faith is going to make it a place of blessing. They know that no matter what happens as they go through this dry and arid place, they know that God is going to bless them. And he does. God blesses them with the rain they need in such a dry place. Rain would come and it would make little pools of water in the desert. A little bit more than what we got this morning, enough to make a little pool, but hey. But see, it was their faith in God that he was going to provide and he was going to take care of them. Guess what? He did. He provided and he took care of them. And that's where he continues in verse 7. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I love that phrase. They go from strength to strength. It's such a a cool phrase. They go from strength to strength because think about life. When you are doing life, you go, you start at a place of strength, right? Maybe you're, you're, you start out well, things are going well, and then through time, what happens? Your body starts to break down. You get tired. You get weak as you make the journey, as you do the hip. You wake up in the morning, you're, you're fresh, you're ready to go, and by the end of the day, what happens to you? You're tired. You're dragging. It's been a busy day. It's been a hard day. And now you just want to rest. And see, a lot of times we start fresh and we get tired. We get weak. But you see, for them, as they're going on this journey, they go from strength to strength. They never lose their strength. Even in the midst of the difficult times, in the midst of the dry and arid land, they never lose strength because who's taking care of them? God. God is taking care of them. God is providing for them. God is pushing them, motivating them. He is with them, and their faith in Him gives them strength. And so they go from strength to strength. They're not getting weak. They're not getting tired because they know that the end result is what matters. Where they're going is important. And where are they going? They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. All the hard times, all the difficult times, all the tough times, guess what? It's all made worth it when they get to where they need to go. And 
Over time, we get tired, we break down, but it's worth it in the end because we know that we have the strength of God to help us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it tells us, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And great is the reward when they get there, when they appear at the temple. And you know, this was something that they had to do. Deuteronomy 16.16 says, Three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place you will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. So at least three times a year they had to make this trip. It's not just a desire, it was something that was required of them, but they wanted to go. And he knew, or they, the psalmist knew that it was by the strength of God that they would get there. And then they continue in, in verse 8. Now that they've gotten there, they say, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. And when they arrive, the first thing they do is seek favor from God, and they pray for their king. They pray for their king. They pray for the anointed one who would be their king. They call him their shield and God's anointed. He is king for a reason. Whoever their king is is their king for a reason. They have been anointed. They have been placed in that position. It is for them to pray for their king because their welfare is tied to the king. Those pilgrims, those who are making those journeys, the, the nation of Israel, guess what? They're tied to the welfare of the king. Why is that? Because if the king is getting beat down on all sides, what's going to happen to the king's people? They're going to suffer the same fate. No, they need the king to protect them, to help them, to be there for them. That's what they need their king to do, and so they need their king to be in full strength. And so they pray for the welfare of their king. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor in your anointed one. You see, for us, this is Jesus, the anointed one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is Jesus, and he is our shield. He is our protector. Our welfare, our state of health depends on Jesus Christ. Our security, our acceptance in the heaven, it all depends on Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 tells us, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 7, 23-25 tells us, Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has permanent priesthood. Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lived to intercede for them. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
just as their welfare was connected to their king, our welfare is connected to Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. We have no hope. We need our Lord and Savior. You see, I think the truth is this. As we try to walk in the path of the Lord, guess what? We're going to face hard times. When we try to walk with God, guess what? We're going to face difficult situations in our life. Life is not easy. There are going to be moments of of struggle. There's going to be moments where we are walking through the valley that feels like it is weeping all around us. Life will be difficult, and it's in that moment that we need to find our strength in Him. We need to find our strength in God. We need to find our strength in the Son, our shield, our protector. Then in Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12, he says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blesses the one who trusts in you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And one day in his courts is better than spending a thousand days on a nice beach somewhere. Uh, to be in the, the courts of the Lord is much better. Just one day in the presence of God is better than a lifetime away from him. One moment to be near God is better than any other thing that you can imagine in this world. And the psalmist, he says, man, better is one day in the the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather stand at the door of the temple to be near the presence of God than to spend each and every single day living life lavishly, having everything I want in the court of the wicked. Better is it to be near God in the outside, doing the smallest of jobs, the lowest of jobs, to be a doorkeeper, a small, minute job compared to what some of the other people do. But it's just as important to him because he would be near God. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And he says, the Lord is sun and shield. He He gives us light. He gives us strength. He gives us protection. Then he says, the Lord bestows favor and honor. He gives us grace and acceptance. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Then He says, No good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. He gives us the things we need for those whose walk is blameless, who are doing what they can, who may stumble, who may fall, but their life is fixed on him, is focused on him, strives to do everything that he asks. Those whose walk is blameless, he gives those things that we need. And it's true, if you think about it, if he has given us his son, why would he behold from us anything else? He's already given us the greatest gift we could ever ask for. Romans 8:32 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things 
Man, He has given us all things already in His Son. He will give us everything we need to live for Him. And so here at the end of Psalm 84, here's what I want us to think about this morning. It's simple. I think it's the whole point of the psalm. I think it's everything that the psalmist is trying to say summed up like this. Life is better in the presence of God. Life is simply better in the presence of God. I think that's what he's trying to say here. Nothing is greater, nothing is better than being near God, to be in the presence of God, to live in step with Him, to live life with Him, to be near God each and every day. There's nothing better in life than that. And you may be here this morning saying, well, if that's true, why does life feel hard? Why am I going through tough situations? Why is this health thing rearing its ugly head? Why am I going through this marriage issue? Why am I going through these things if being near the presence of God makes life better? Now, here's the thing. I didn't say it would make life easy. To be near God doesn't mean life is automatically going to get easy Life is still going to be hard, but it's better because we are with God, a God who gives us strength. And so I want to take a moment here this morning to, to say, hey, there are benefits each and every day to being in the presence of God. There's benefits to it. To be near God, to be in the presence of God, there are benefits. What are those benefits? Well, there's joy in the presence of God. There's joy in the presence of God. Man, you can kind of tell who's living in the world, can't you? You can tell because they may seem happy in the moment, but the next, they're looking for something to, to make them happy again. They're looking for something to build them up again. And it's just over and over and over again, they keep going back to these things, thinking this will make them happy. And guess what? They don't seem to find joy. But guess what? There is joy in the presence of God. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of your life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. There's joy in the presence of God. What else is there? Well, there's protection in the presence of God. In the presence of God, we can find protection in him. Psalm 91.1, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What better place to be when we're, when we're going through difficulties and we're scared about what's going to happen? What better place to be than in the shadow of the Almighty? There's nothing better than that. What else do we find in the presence of God? Well, we find rest. We find rest. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I just need some rest. I just need some rest. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Mentally, I'm drained. I'm just, I feel like I'm going through something and it's just draining. It's exhausting and I just need rest. Well, guess what? There's rest in the presence of God. Exodus 33:14. the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What else is there? What other benefit is there? Well, this one I think is also very important our life has changed to be more like him the more we spend time in his presence it's true the more time we spend with god the more our heart the more our attitudes the more our mind changes to be in line and step with him it's true they say what is it character or bad character corrupts absolutely like the 
the, thing, the people that you're around, their character, their quality, guess what? That rubs off on you. You become like the people that you spend time with, good or bad. Who you spend time with, you become like. It's the same thing with God. The more time we spend with God, the more time we spend in His Word, the more time we spend praying to Him, the more time we spend seeking Him, the more our attitudes, our thoughts, our heart lines up with His. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And the more we are with Him, the more we become an image of Him in our hearts and our minds and our attitude. And that's what it's all about. And so here's the question this morning. Are you living in the presence of God or are you living in the presence of the world? Are you walking in step with God? Are you spending time with God? Are you spending time with Him who will give you strength, who will give you the things that you need? Or are you spending time with the world? Because the world will leave you broken and looking for more. And so, how do we get into the presence of God? Well, I think it starts by giving our life to Him. It starts with giving our life, putting our faith, our trust, our hope in Him. And we start by accepting the gift of His Son. First John 4.10 tells us, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. You see, the only way that we can have presence with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and as they do, have you given your life to Him? There's only one way to get into heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. There is only one way. There is no other way. The world may say these are all the different ways. There is only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. Have you given your life to him? Because through him, you can find your presence with God. You can be in the presence of God, in the midst of God. And maybe this morning you have given your life to him. Maybe this morning you've been living life and you have just been away from his presence. Maybe this morning you are here and you have not spent time with God. Life is busy. The situations I'm going through are hard. The, the valley is a valley of weeping and I just am struggling to be in the presence of God. I get it. Trust me, I get it. There are so many times that I am so far away from God, I'm wondering what in the world happened to me, but it's in those moments that I pray and I find my way back to Him because I know that better is one day with Him than a thousand elsewhere. Are you in the presence of God or are you living in the presence of the world? And this morning, i got to tell you, life is better in the presence of God. And it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes life is hard. But it is better when you are in the presence of God because in Him you find joy. You find strength. You find protection. You find peace. You find yourself being more like Him the more you're around Him. Are you in the presence of God? And that is what the psalmist longs for more than anything else. I want to be with God. I want to be in the presence of God. This morning, are you in the presence of God? If you're not, maybe this morning what you need to do is just spend some time praying, talking with Him, finding yourself back in His presence. This morning, if you need to pray, I'd love to pray with you. You can pray where you're sitting. But man, seek after the presence of God each and every day. Long for Him. Long to be near Him.
That is what we are called to do. And so this morning, if you have a decision to make or you need to, to spend time in prayer, please do so as we stand and we sing.